If you're looking for the next best thing to invest in, try investing in your long-term health with Forward. Forward is intelligent medicine with a personal touch. Their doctors are dedicated to catching top killers like cancer and heart disease early, which could save you tens of thousands of dollars in the long run. So invest in a doctor that's invested in you. Visit GoForward.com to learn more about how Forward can help you manage your long-term health risks for one flat monthly fee. That's GoForward.com. It's no secret that writing can be lonely work, but does it really have to be? Whether you're full-time, part-time, or just starting out, you'll get insights into the tricks, tips, and production habits of writers from every level of the biz. From best-selling authors to those launching their first novels, you're sure to be in the company of friends as we encourage great writers to divulge and share their secrets. This is the Great Writer Share Podcast with your host, best-selling author, Daniel Wilcox. Hello and welcome to the Great Writers Share podcast with me, Daniel Wilcox, where every week I take the time to sit down with writers from all levels of their journey and pick apart the grey stuff between their ears to find their pearls of wisdom underneath. Today's date is the 28th of August. I have just come back from a full day of sitting in cafes, just getting the words in. It's been a good day. It's been a good week. Um, I managed to finish the series that I've been working on last week and rewarded myself with a nice couple of days off, which was glorious. I'm very happy with the finished product and just have to wait to see now what the editor comes back with um, and see if that's all happy to ship. And uh, actually this week, I'm very, very excited because I am now working on book five of my uh, Caitlin Chronicles series. So um, I've written books one to four, which were released last year, and it's actually been uh about nine months since book four came out so i'm excited to get book five done in that series and uh wrap that up not even wrap that one up that one's got a couple of books to come but i think just getting stuck in and uh revisiting some of the old characters that i've i've left behind for a little while it's nice and refreshing to get back into some people that um i've I've come to know very very well it's 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 kind of crazy i think it's one of the things that we under underestimate as writers the impact that the characters do have on our own lives and how um it it feels a little bit like it's gonna sound so so corny uh it feels a little bit like coming home and just um yeah being around people who have been inspired from your own imagination i think that's something quite special but yeah i'm diving straight into that so i'm making good progress on that aiming to finish that in the next couple of weeks and then that'll be another book under my belt that i can put out on amazon and start to promote which is exciting but into today's guest, who is John Crinan, and he is a uh, writer and podcaster, someone who's been on the peripheries of my author journey for a little while. Um, he's submitted stories to the Other Stories podcast, which I run with the Hawk and Cleaver guys, um, the fiction podcast. And uh, yeah, John's just a really nice guy. I sat on his podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, and we go into a lot of the parallels of our author journey. And uh, we, we, for some reason, we have this freaky connection, which you'll, you'll see in the interview, but it's, it's kind of freaky, the amount of stuff that we have uh in our mind that's quite similar um but in this actual interview itself uh, i'll allow people to make a drinking game out of this episode because luke condor one of my uh my first guests on this podcast is uh, brought up quite a lot as he's been quite instrumental in john's journey um as well as my own uh, he goes into the importance of finishing what you started and following through on your word that's quite a that's quite an important theme that seems to shine through a lot with this, this interview is the fact that when you start something, if you finish it, then you become more accountable and you can kind of build up that momentum and just sort of stay true to your own word. 
um, which runs into building habits and routines. And he also talks about remaining humble and following your passion and talks a lot about his journey. John's uh, quite early on in his author journey. He's been writing for a fair few years, but he admits in this interview that sort of for the last um, year or so would be the time when he's really sort of knuckled down and started to go, okay, this is this is something that I want to I want to make something out of. So um, there's a lot of lessons learned in here for people who are at the start of their journeys and thinking of what they need to do in order to get the words on the page and become a writer. A little warning as well, though, we had a couple of issues with sound, which I've done my best to uh, erase from the interview, so hopefully it's smooth sailing. And for some reason, I discovered when <laughs> I started editing this podcast, my microphone sounds incredibly loud. So there might be a couple of pops here and there, but I've tried my best again just to balance out the sound. But apologies for that in advance, uh, just so you guys know. An update on new patrons. So thank you very much to Ian Middleton, who is a brand new patron of the show. Uh, someone that I've seen again in and out of Facebook groups. And uh, yeah, thanks very much, Ian, for joining us over on the Slack group and getting involved in the Patreon. Um, it's always fantastic to know that people are supporting the show and are finding value from the guests that we're bringing on and the stuff that's on offer. Uh, this month, Ian will be entered into the competition for the monthly giveaway, which is Craig Martell's release strategies. And I'll be drawing the winner of that in a moment. Um, but I did just want to say for anyone thinking of coming over onto the Patreon page and getting more value to getting your episodes uh, early ahead of everyone else, getting to ask the guests questions and getting uh, involved in the Slack group and the monthly giveaways as well. It's all over at www.patreon.com forward slash great writers share. But now the grand winner of the monthly prize, which I'll announce on the show is drum roll. Brrr, Jen Mitchell. So congratulations, Jen. Uh, I will be in contact with you soon and we will be sending over a copy of Release Strategies straight to your door. And I'll be announcing the competition for next week's in next week's episode, funnily enough. <laughs> um, but for now, that's all I've got to say. I'll uh, get out of your way so that you can crack on and listen to this very, very wide ranging conversation with the wonderful John Crennan. John Crinnan is a writer and podcaster who hails from the rolling hills of Scotland and migrated down to the cobbled, smoky streets of London. His work has regularly been featured on the Other Stories podcast, and his new show, The John Crinnan Podcast, sees John chatting with new creators about their work, craft, and the difficult business of making stuff and getting shit done. John, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. What a great intro. I know. It's, uh, I crafted that myself based off the stuff that you've done, so you made it quite easy for me. <laughs> steal that at some point. Thank you very much. Well, it's good to be here. No, no worries. I'm happy to have you. Uh, just to give a bit of context to listeners, I was on your show uh, a couple of weeks ago um, being interviewed by yourself. So I think it's nice to have a bit of revenge and do the reverse. So I've got a few curveballs. Just to, I, haven't, I haven't really. This is gonna be I nice. was so gentle with you on my podcast as well. <laughs> you were. It was lovely. You, uh, you wined and dined me. You uh, set me off my way, paid for the taxi, and then that was it for the day. Um, but no, I mean... Oh. I'm, a, I'm a great date. <laughs> yeah but all kidding aside it's uh I'm, I'm excited to have you on uh one of the first things i wanted to ask was just to set the scene a little bit what brought you down from scotland to the other side of the country or the countries ah, well i came down to london about six years ago now i think it was and it was one of those cities that i'd always wanted to live in and i had suggested it to my partner i it had come up on one of our random conversations uh you know, oh, I'd love to live in London at some point. And she's the kind of person that if you suggest something like that to her, she'll make it happen somehow. <laughs> so she had just come to the end of uh, a contract um, 
that she was working on and she started looking for new contracts and new work and she found one in london and basically said oh well i'm i'm working down there now we can we can move (laughs) and i was suddenly had the realization oh right okay we're moving yeah let's do it let's go on an, an adventure and i thought um when we first moved down here that i would be here for six months i would get out of my system and i would probably move back to scotland or move somewhere else but years later i'm still here it's an incredible city and i've got no intention of of leaving anytime soon so that was why i came down Amazing. So no regrets at all? Not at all. No. I have to be more careful now about what I say to my girlfriend. <laughs> well, I guess that's probably scary just to be like, ah, no, you know, I just fancy learning to tap dance. Right. That's booked. Next yeah, Friday. Exactly. Let's go. That's the kind of person she is. And actually over the years, we were quite, we just really started going out around that time. We've been together for seven years. And um, now that that kind of characteristic that she has is starting to rub off on me. And I, I do back then I used to not do the things I said I was going to do. And now I definitely do. I just jump in. Nice. Something about being able to execute and just follow through with the things you are trying to say. It's so important. It's so easy just to keep talking about stuff and never doing anything. Mm. But when you actually start doing it, great things happen. (laughs) Absolutely. So let's get a bit more into your writing. So you've written a fair few short stories. Like we said in the intro, they've been uh, featured on the Hawk and Cleave podcast that uh, I co-produce, the other stories. Um, Fantastic stories. I highly recommend that people check them out. What brought you into the short story arena? Because um, I know that it's, it's quite fair to say you're fairly uh, early on in your writing career and you're, you're doing a lot of things at the minute to put your name out there, which I'm quite impressed with. Um, but let's sort of start with what got you into those first sort of submission steps and uh, where, where would you say your journey began? Okay, well, so I've been writing for years and years. Um, I was trying to write this great, or what I thought was going to be great, novel. That was what I wanted to do. I wanted to just emerge uh, from my writing den with this incredible finished debut novel that everyone was going to think was the best thing ever. And ultimately what happened was that I just sat in a room writing, never showing my work to anyone and never doing anything with it. Uh, And I did that for years and years and years. And then what happened? I moved to London I got a big corporate job down here and the writing faded into the background just because when you're running around Canary Wharf in your suit and getting back late, you've got no, I had no energy at all to, uh, to write. So it kind of faded into the background along with this huge novel that I was working on that really is, it's better in the drawer now than <laughs> I'm very glad it's gone. Um, and then what happened was, I realized that the corporate life wasn't doing it for me. There was something missing. So after about five years of not doing any writing, I started to work on something new. I didn't, I didn't go back to that, that old horrible novel that no one will ever <laughs> read. Uh, but I started something new. And it was going to be another novel just because my ideas are always so big and so sprawling and I overcomplicate things. Um, I started taking it a bit more seriously and I realized that I was getting into the same, uh, the same bad habits again. I still wasn't showing it to anyone. I didn't have a network of writers that I could work with and, you know, bounce ideas off. Uh, so I started getting more active in Facebook groups and things like that. And then I discovered you guys, I, through a Facebook group, I actually think 
I was thinking about this. Um, I think it was Luke Condor, your, one of your guests, one of my guests on the podcast. <laughs> um, he had posted, uh, I think it was just before you guys published They Rot, maybe. And he had posted the cover, the cover art. And I started talking, I started commenting, saying how good the cover art, the original cover art for They Rot was. And we got talking. And then I discovered the, your podcast, Talking Cleaver, and kind of just orbited around that. I was a listener. I was a fan of the Other Stories podcast for a long time. And then you guys did the writing short horror stories course. Um, you've done two of them now. I've been on both of them. They've been great. Yeah, I think one was April last year, March or April last year. Uh, this year and then one was september last year yeah that sounds about right so it was almost exactly a year ago and i thought that looks perfect i'm going to jump in because here i was i was working on this novel uh i wasn't getting anywhere with it so i thought i never really tried my hand at short stories it really was honestly my first short story that i wrote on that course and um the the basic format was it was a seven day horror writer a, a seven day uh, story writing course where at the end of it uh, Luke uh, would take us through from generating the idea to writing the first draft to editing to polishing and then having a finished story at the end of seven days so I took it very seriously I didn't use any ideas that I had had previously I, I started from nothing on day one wrote a story that was called collector's item I had to think there and uh was very happy with it. It was the first thing I'd finished in, I don't even know how long. It might have been one of the first things I'd ever really finished. Um, And then there was the opportunity to submit it to the Other Stories podcast. You guys liked it. Uh, You guys featured it on the show, which was a huge, huge milestone for me. And I just suddenly realized, whoa, how, how important it is to finish stuff, to work with other writers, to get the writing that you've done, even if you've written it quickly and you're not 100% confident about it, get it in front of other people's eyes and get some feedback. And I haven't really looked back since. That was a very long answer. I apologize. No, that was absolutely perfect. And there's, oh, there's, there's so much in there that I want to unpick because there's a lot of stuff that you mentioned that I see regularly with um, new writers, with old writers that are still, like you say, 15, 20 years on working on that that first piece of polished work that's going to be the masterpiece of their lives and there's there's so much i want to uh sort of break apart and 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 go a bit deeper on so if i jump back to you you had a novel you've been working on it for several years and you decided to pardon many many years many many years too many years it's it's hard yeah i don't like to even think about how many years i sunk into that yep and you decided to pop it in a drawer what brought you to that decision and how do you feel about that decision now? It wasn't very good, the novel. <laughs> so it was very easy for me to abandon it to a drawer. I think when I originally stopped writing it, I probably told myself I would come back to it at some <laughs> Um And it wasn't until I had some distance from it, because remember, I had really locked myself in this room with it, thinking I was writing this novel that was going to be I just wanted it to be perfect. I wanted it to be, I wanted people to think, oh, there's this debut novel is incredible. That's what I wanted to have. It's a ridiculous thing now when I look back on it, but that's the person that I was back then. 
I wanted this novel to be polished and done before anyone else ever saw it. And then I could just emerge with it and it would be great. So it wasn't finished. I, I was this perfectionist. I realized I had to abandon it or put it away uh, or stop writing on it, stop writing it for a little while. I got the big job that exhausted me to the point where I wasn't doing any writing and I got a little bit of distance from it. And now looking back on it, I can see that it wasn't great. Maybe, I mean, the idea is not bad, but I'm happy to just chalk that up to experience and leave it in the past because the kind of stuff I'm writing now is quite different. And um, yeah, it, I've got no regrets about putting it away and leaving it there. I'm very happy with that decision. Fantastic. Because I know I know a lot of people who will pretty much, I think about 90% of the writers I speak to have that first novel that is sitting in a drawer. I mean, I've got two, I've got um, the first novel I ever wrote, which came to, I think about a hundred thousand words, that was just for me a chance to go, right, here's a book, I'm going to finish it. And this was this was a few years back. And, and my target for myself was, I'm going to have written a novel by my birthday. I had no intention of publishing it. It wasn't a case of, oh, this is going to be a masterpiece, anything else. I, I was very um, aware of the write it, then fix it afterwards mentality. But that I haven't looked at in about four or five years, haven't touched it. And then I wrote another book after, which was my second attempt at a novel, went straight into a drawer. And yeah, I think I think it's you need to get that that first work out of you in order to at least move on and see what else you're you're capable of well what do you think about those two novels like do you have fond memories were they better than you expected are you glad that they're put away or i mean yeah i I love them um because of the things that they taught me so the the first book which was called a clockwork rose and was very sort of thrillery with a bit of a supernatural element in it um taught a lot about habits and things and actually just gave me that again just writing the end i think is more invaluable than anything else and, and like you said with the short story course the fact that you finish a story that in itself is an explosion enough to sort of fuel you forward to keep on going and say okay i finished one thing what else can i finish um Absolutely. but yeah there's, there's so much you can learn from me i think it's interesting as well that you've you've got one that is now in a drawer which is lovely um but you did also mention about uh coming into hawk and cleaver um, I mean, I've seen your name sort of floating around on Facebook group and things for a while, and it's nice to see your journey as you're, you're coming forward and growing the things that you're doing. One thing that you did mention was the fact that you've now got a network of writers. Um, how important for you is networking with other writers and what kind of support does that give you? It's so important. Uh, and it's not just writers either. It's any creator. That's, that's kind of one of the reasons why I started the podcast, to be, my podcast, to be honest, because that's, you know, like you said in, my, in your intro, uh, I just talk to creators about whatever it is they're working on, getting shit done, their craft, really anywhere the conversation goes. Because I always come away from those conversations when you talk to someone who's maybe doing the same as you or you know, just facing the difficult business of bringing something new into the world every day, which is incredibly difficult to do. Um, I can't help but talk to those people and be inspired and then want to jump back into my own stuff and make it better. And, uh, you know, you'll learn things, you learn things obviously from other writers, a show like yours is a great resource for, for writers. But I find that I learn things from, from any, from people in all manner of disciplines and, and different crafts. You, you, it's impossible not to. So it was one of the big things that happened really when I moved to London, just jumping back to that decision to come down here. It's very difficult 
not to bump into people who are working on exciting projects. And <laughs> you walk out the door, everyone's doing something cool. Um, so it was really when I started to um, grow my friend network. Because a strange thing happened to me when I moved from Glasgow to London is that I kind of transplanted myself out of a, a, a very good friend network. And I have a lot of great friends still in Scotland. And I moved down without really knowing anyone. And That's big. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, obviously I had my partner because we moved down together, but I didn't think about it before I did it. And then I realized, oh yeah, you, you kind of, you kind of need people, you need friends around you. It's great. Facebook and things like that's great, but you need to get out there and start meeting new people. So what, what I'd never done uh, in Glasgow, um, all my friends kind of, you know, you, you gather friends organically and just at work in the office or you meet people and slowly over a lifetime, your friend group builds up. But suddenly I'd taken myself out of that. So I had to be very deliberate about meeting people. And that's, that was a a big learning curve for me. I had to start going to meetups and start doing activities and going to evening classes and things like that, just to find people. And then that's when I started meeting other creators and other writers. And suddenly I realized what I'd been missing all this time. And just to clarify as well, were you, when you first, when you joined that horror short writing mini course, were you still at the corporate job then? Yes, I was. Yeah. I've only been out out of it for um, a few months now. Yeah. Yeah. So So that brings more questions. (laughs) No, no, that's fine. Um, So yeah, because, one of the things you mentioned earlier on uh, in our conversation is that you're exhausted at the end of the day. You had no time to write. You're in this corporate job and, and you spent five years unable to find that willpower in order to get creating. Mm. And you've just spoken then about finding the need to network and also finding the, the time to hang out with friends and find new people and get out of, out of the house. How did you go from not being able to write anything to writing the things that you're writing now and, and being able to put in, put in the time? Well, I think, I think if I was to go back to those days, knowing what I know now, I, I, there, are, there are hours in the day that I could have written. I could have found the time to do it, but I wasn't savvy enough to figure out that, oh yeah, if I got up early, which is my tactic these days, I'm a big fan of an early start. Something we're definitely going to dig into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I could get, you know, a, a few hundred words, a thousand words maybe, or at least half an hour of butt in the chair time to make something new. Um, What actually happened though? Was there a thing I'm trying to, I guess it might have been, I guess I was still playing at it, playing at writing a little bit, although I'd realized that I was missing that part of my life because I'd let it slip, uh, you know, slip into the background and then eventually abandon writing entirely as I focused on my career in air quotes. Um, (laughs) I gradually began to realize, yeah, there's something sort of gnawing away at me. Like I, 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 there's something I'm not doing that I need to be doing. And I, I realized that it was the writing and I started to make time, but I wasn't building a, a great habit of daily writing or anything like that back then. I was just, it was just starting to come back into the forefront of my mind. And I was starting to think up ideas again. And I was starting to jot down um, little passages here and there where I I kind of eked out the time in my day but it maybe wasn't until that course where 
I suddenly had a deadline because there was no deadlines. I wasn't working to any deadlines. I wasn't imposing any deadlines on myself. So yeah, it could have been uh, that week-long course back in September last year where where I suddenly realized, okay, there's no time for messing about. I've got to find the time uh, to write and I've got to finish this because people are waiting. And that made all the difference. And that was what kickstarted my writing habit that I still have now, I think. I think there's definitely something in accountability. And that's one of the reasons that Luke started the workshops. One of the reasons that we, we do them now um, is to give that sort of um, boost, that kick up the backside, I guess, because there are, I mean, I've got a lot of friends that are, we're in a very similar situation where they talk about no time to do it, yada, yada, yada. Um, and ultimately, or at least in, in my opinion, because I'm never going to say anything as fact in case I piss people off. Um, but my, my opinion, on the whole matter is you have the time for the things that are most important to you. And if you can't find the time to do that thing, say you wanted to learn how to cook, you want to learn how to knit, you want to learn how to write. If you haven't got the willpower or, or the drive to sit down and do that, then it's obviously just not that important to you and you prefer the other things. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I think the thing that people do not always appreciate is it is hard to sit down and find these times these pockets to write um it's it's not something you're born with it's a it's a habit that you you develop over time and like you say you started now joining the the 5am club um do you want to speak a little bit about what the 5am club is how you found out about it and what that looks like in your life so um it really started for me uh just a, a month or so ago maybe six weeks i can't remember the exact date so I, I recorded an episode with Luke Condor, who we've mentioned already in this, uh, in this episode, uh, on my podcast. And we'd, we were recording it quite early on a Sunday morning. And he had just sent out an update for his newsletter. I subscribed to his newsletter as well, or something. I'd seen some post from Luke where he had just accomplished so much since the last update. I think it was his email newsletter. And I, my first question, because when I record a podcast, I try and keep it kind of fluid. I don't think up a lot of questions in advance. I only have one question. I think of one question, and that's just to make sure there isn't an awkward silence at the start. It just means that I can jump straight from my intro into the first question, and generally we'll see where it goes from there. And my first question for Luke was what he had accomplished already that morning. So early Sunday morning, um, Really, I had only gotten up, had a coffee, and got set up for the podcast. I hadn't really done anything. <laughs> and he basically said, you know, I finished all my creative work for the day. This episode, was that was going to be the last thing that he was going to do creatively that day. And then the rest of the day was just his. And he started talking about how he loved getting up early. And I think he had said on that morning, he got up at something like 7 a.m. And that was late for him. And then mm. I, I think he had uh, admitted that it was 5 a.m. that he normally got up or, or maybe even earlier. So the next morning, just coincidentally, uh, I woke up at 4.45 and I saw the clock and it was like 4.45. And okay, I went up, went to the bathroom and I was on my way back to bed because my alarm wasn't set for another couple of hours. And I just remembered what he said and everything that he had, he had accomplished. And... I just thought to myself, I can't, I can't go to sleep. I can't go back to bed. I've got to get up and try and write something. I've the guilt. To, <laughs> yeah, the guilt would have been too much. So I grabbed my laptop. I went and uh, sat over at my writing desk. And I haven't had as productive, 
I haven't had as productive a day since. It, it just must have been something about that day. But I blasted out a whole story in one, in one go in a couple of hours. Uh, that story would then go on to appear in the other stories, actually. That was Tentacle. I wrote it in that morning. Wow. And uh, after that, I just didn't stop. I got up at 5 a.m. with a few exceptions. I got up, I got up at 5 a.m. just by default now. So it's all thanks to Luke. Nice. Did you tell him after you woke up at 4.45 that morning that you stayed up or did you keep that sort of internal to you as a, a bit of a mini victory? Um, I don't think, I don't know if I ever did tell him actually. I have now, I spoke about the 5am club on, because I record a little um, intro and outro uh, around the conversation segment in my, in my podcast. And I, off, I normally record those quite a bit later than the than the actual guest conversation. So I'll record the guest conversation whenever we can schedule time together. And then closer to the release of the podcast, because it goes out fortnightly, it's not a weekly podcast. I'll record the intro and outro and then just put them on. So I think I had had a week or a couple of weeks after the conversation with Luke went before I recorded my outro. And I said in that, that I'd, I'd been getting up at 5 a.m. every day. I'd got all this stuff done. And a few listeners and a friend uh, got in touch with me. And now we have a little WhatsApp group that we, uh, we, we message each other. As soon as we get up, we, do, we, we send each other coffee selfies. So we have our <laughs> coffee, take a selfie of ourselves looking bleary-eyed and hair everywhere. And then we check in in about 90 minutes later with what we've done. And that's really good as well. So it has that, I think that's one of the reasons that I've stuck to it so well is like there's, I've got, uh, someone else, my good friend Zoe, um, who I'm about to launch a new podcast with at some point soon. Maybe we'll talk about that. Uh, she's one of the the people that I message on WhatsApp, and she's been uh, she's been great because she's like an accountability buddy for a five AM club as well. And we both got so much done. Nice. And you said about so five AM club is that is that a phrase that you've come up with, or is that something that you have seen elsewhere? No, no I think it actually um, there's a guy. Oh, I don't. Hmm. I don't know if this is correct, but there's a guy called Jocko Willink. Do you know Jocko Willink? Have you heard of him? The name rings a bell. He's like a Navy SEAL guy, an ex-Navy SEAL. And um, he, he wrote, oh, I'm blanking on the name of his book now. What was it? Discipline Equals Freedom. He wrote this book. He's got this saying, Discipline Equals Freedom. And yep. it's all about early mornings. If you go to his Instagram or his Twitter page, it's just an endless stream of him taking a photo of his, of his watch, his wristwatch. <laughs> like a, a like such an early time on it like 4 30 4 15 um he might have been the he might have been where i picked up 5 a.m club but no i didn't i didn't invent it i use it but i don't know if the mm. hashtag was around long before i came along yeah now i've seen lots and lots of uh it, it seems to be a common thread that a lot of the successful people that i'm aware of anyway are early risers and that's not necessarily the only way to go and obviously people do success late at night by writing it late into the night or doing whatever afterwards but yeah for me i'm i'm quite the same as you and luke it's a case of once i discovered so i was i was kind of forced into doing early mornings by um my circumstance i was in before I i had my job i had a son that was always up at sort of half six seven and if i didn't get up early i didn't get my things done that i wanted to so it was kind of like you do it then or never um and yeah i definitely feel like there's so much value in just taking control of that morning because, and I'm sure you'll testify to this as well. Even if you only do a little bit, the fact that you've done something towards whatever your goal is, 
by midday by the end of the day you know that you've you've won the day yeah it's it, especially if you're someone like me where beforehand i had uh gone date i could go weeks without really writing anything new i would you know i'd kind of binge write and i, I know that writing daily is not something that works for everyone and everything that i say is this is only stuff that works for me but i need to write every day because if i let it slip then i'll go then i'll miss one day and that day will be that one day will become two it'll become three so it's so important for me to write daily but when uh, i get up uh, and write in the morning i've got an added spring in my step that I didn't have before. Like I feel like such a winner uh, for the rest of the day, even if all I've gotten done is, you know, 500 crappy words or something like that. It's still progress. It's still a baby step towards where I want to be. And that just has a knock-on effect throughout my entire day. And you're right, when, you, when people say, you know, you can write at night. I just found personally uh, that if I leave my daily words until the evening, one of two things is going to happen. I'm not going to write them at all, or I uh, write much worse than, than I <laughs> Yeah. And I think uh, for me as well, I always found that because in the morning I know there's a cutoff when I have to stop, it means that I, I focus more because I know that that is the window I have. Whereas if I write in the evening and I start at six or seven, there's no definitive stop. So I could, what could take me an hour in the morning will then take me three, four hours to do at night because I'm, I'm being lazy. Um, but what do you do on the mornings? Cause undoubtedly there'll be mornings when you wake up at, at five, whatever time you set your alarm clock and the last thing you want to do is get out of bed. So what would you, what would you advise to someone who's in that situation? What, what motivates you? I'm guessing partly uh, the accountability group, but is there anything else? The accountability helps. Um, there are days when it does when I don't. If I've had a particularly late night for whatever reason, uh, sometimes things happen in the evening and you don't get back home until very late. And you can get away with being in a bit of sleep debt for maybe one day. But if you've had a couple of late nights in a row, um, the benefit of the 5am club to me drops fairly drastically. And I just get, I'll allow myself to have uh, a long lie and, and sleep in a little bit because one of the things that is important it's great talking about oh you need to get up earlier and earlier and start the day at 4 a.m or, or whatever but if you are consistently not going to bed until late you're not doing yourself any favors like there's a lot I, I do go to bed a lot earlier now than <laughs> the young me used to um, I have become a bit of a morning person whereas before I definitely wasn't um what my advice would be though, I don't know, you just want to remove, I, th I think it's like everything. You just want to remove the obstacles to it. So I, my alarm is on the other side of the room. So I have to get out of bed to switch it off. Um, That's a huge one. <laughs> Sorry, just to, because I started doing the same thing about six months ago and yeah, infinitely, because by that point you're already standing, you're already there. It's like, oh, I might as well. <laughs> yeah, you've already come out into the cold by that point. You might as well put on some clothes. Mm. Um, that wasn't even intentional. It's just that was the only place a plug. A plug <laughs> but that's a benefit. Yeah. I don't think I really do anything else. Um, I really look forward to my morning coffee. I'm not someone who drinks a, a tremendous amount of coffee. I don't drink coffee all through the day, but I really like it. So I make sure that I make a very nice, like I, I have very nice coffee. 
and that's what I that's what I drink. So I look forward to it. So it, in a weird way, I'm excited about my coffee, and that kind of gets me out of bed as well. But yeah, it's some some days I'm not saying I'm religious and I'm always up at five a.m. But the vast majority of the time, uh, I am, and mm. I, I get a lot, a lot done. But yeah, that, I think that's really it. Okay. Uh, so switching gears a little bit then, one of the things that I'm quite curious about, just because I don't think I've ever really nailed it, and it's one of the things I do I do want to crack, and I'm interested to see what your approach to this is. Um, I might just leave this hanging to see how long, because now you're wondering what I'm going to ask, aren't you? I'm excited. <laughs> so, Patreon. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're, you're, you've got your, your podcast, you've got the John Crinan podcast, which... Uh, is slightly fed by the Patreon. Um, I visited the page. You've got quite some quite cool stuff doing there. One thing that I have noticed is you've got a lot of inputs into that Patreon. So you've got sort of like short story writing. You've got the podcast. You've got the the new podcast, which you've mentioned that we will, I think, touch on uh, in this interview. But yeah, one of my questions is why Patreon and what are you trying to achieve with it? Okay, so I don't have a very good answer for this yet because I am still figuring Patreon out. But yeah, you're right. I have a Patreon page. Um, my hand was kind of forced with that. I wasn't originally going to because it felt I felt a bit uneasy about asking for patronage so early on in my journey. Um, but there was a recent there was a recent without going too into the weeds. Patreon recently went through a bit of a, a change and they were going to change their, um, their, uh, is it not, it's not royalty. What was it called? But they were basically anyone who signs up after a certain date was going to have to pay a yes. higher rate on uh, new patrons. And there was a bunch of people on Twitter uh, talking about this and they were kind of saying, if you're ever going to use Patreon, Patreon, sorry. Uh, now's the time. You might as well. You might as well set up a page, even if you don't point anyone towards it. Then you. Then your rate will be grandfathered into the old one, and you won't be paying more. So I read that. I don't remember who tweeted it. I read that, and I thought, yeah, you know what? I I will set this up because at some point in the future, I would like to. Um, I would like to find kind of true fans, and I, I'm not wanting to get rich from Patre- Patreon or anything like that. But I would like to have that ecosystem to put posts that are not necessarily always going to be public and, you know, do some fun experiments there. So I decided to set it up. And then that happened around the same time that I uh, had convinced myself to start the podcast. Or not convinced myself. A couple people suggested (laughs) that I I did. I try it. And then I convinced myself that, yeah, okay, let's do it. And I just started posting things on there. And it's still, there's not a whole lot of stuff over on my Patreon. And there is a bit of a, um, the problem that I have in my, in my head with it is, is I don't know whether or not the Patreon is for the podcast or if it's for my writing, because they're two completely different things. But at the moment, I'm posting both there. And the podcast is the one where I'm putting out more content because I'm putting out something every two weeks. And I'm not doing that with, uh, with my writing. Uh, but one of the things I am trying to do with it is trying to um, give myself an, uh, keep myself accountable. So I'm promising things like a new short story every month on Patreon and uh, oh, some other things as well that I can't, I can't, I can't remember. Uh, just, to, just to kind of steer it more towards the writing rather than the podcast. I'm hoping that the podcast just becomes more of a, 
of a bonus rather than it being the forefront because I consider myself a writer first and a podcaster second. Um, but yeah, I'm really still trying to figure out Patreon and still trying to figure out, I don't really like using the word strategy because I just want to be <laughs> where I post all the weird stuff that I want to post and have some fun with it. But I do think that maybe, yes, right, there is maybe a little bit of a strategy to it. I actually have a guest coming up. I'm not trying to do a plug for my podcast. No, no, by all means. I have, use it. I have been thinking about this. Uh, and one of my upcoming guests is doing quite well in Patreon because I basically really selfishly use my podcast to just pick the brains of people. What who a horrible stuff. thing to do. <laughs> so I might have a better answer soon on the mm. Patreon thing, but right now I'm just figuring it out as I go along. Mm. Now I found it's um because I've I've done the same thing I've I've got my own personal writing one which at the minute is just it's just abandoned it's just left there um gathering dust obviously listeners of this show I've got a patron Patreon for this show um but I've from what I've seen it's 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 a difficult one to crack and when you do you you really sort of start seeing the rewards but the way that I've seen it is you can either advertise yourself as the brand of who is you and a lot of people are kind of they'll just plug everything they're doing and fans will lap it up and they love every element and particularly for people like super fans, they'll, they'll eat everything that, that you'll do anyway. So that's, that's the kind of people that you want to draw into that ecosystem. Um, and then I've seen it where it's built around the products more than the brand itself. So we've got one for the other stories, which started off being a general Hawk and Cleaver one that we then um, sidled into a, the other stories one, because what we found was the fans of the other stories didn't translate into some of the other stuff we were doing. Um, yeah. And that's something we've seen consistently. It's really hard to get, uh, podcast fiction fans over into even audiobooks is a bit of a stretch because they're just slightly different in how they behave. But um, no, I, I'm the same as you. It's very, it is a difficult nut to crack, but I think it's worth pursuing. And like you say, even if you've only got sort of a handful of patrons, it's money that you didn't have going towards the work that you're doing. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really not about the money. It's really, and even the podcast for me, I, I'm really not looking at metrics like that, uh, listener numbers and things. I'm getting so much more out of it just being held accountable to post content on there um, and to meet, uh, hopefully meet uh, fans of, of the, the stuff that I'm doing. Uh, jumping back to talking about your, you had a, you have a personal writer's what. Uh, patreon and you've got the podcast one as well i think a, po a podcast patreon is like an easier sell um mm. this is something that i'm finding it's it's just i'm i'm a patron of a couple of different podcasts i'm a patron of the hawk and cleaver one actually as well and what you guys are doing over there is great with like the exclusive story every uh, every month every theme is great that's you know that is a fully well produced as, as well as the ones that go in the public feed uh, story that goes to to everyone and that's uh it's an it's an easier sell i i don't know how to explain it um i've always found that whenever i click through to a writer's personal patreon i see because you can see how many people support them and mm. obviously you know I'm, I'm talking about metrics and how they're not important but they are quite a good gauge to see how other people are doing and you can look at other people's strategies and i often find that writers uh when they're just posting fiction uh, or books or whatever the numbers are always so much smaller <laughs> yeah uh, which is a shame because um but i think it's just i think it's just the platform more people um more people are using it for for podcasts and it seems to be an easier sell i don't know why that is 
Yeah. No, I've got um, plans for the future to build. So I've, in the same vein as you, because everything that we do with our podcast seems to be in parallel. Um, for, for people that didn't know, uh, John's podcast came so out. I think that we're standing up as well. Yeah, we're both standing up and podcasting for one of the first times ever. We, uh, <laughs> our podcasts, the Great Writers Share and the John Crennan podcast launched sort of within weeks of each other. Yours, I think, was about two or three weeks before mine. Um, I think there's just, there's something going on here that, is happening but uh in the same vein as <laughs> in the same vein as yourself i've got someone that i'm currently in talks with to come to the show who is also doing quite well on patreon so we'll have to swap notes at some point and uh listen yeah, to each cool. other and just see what we can see what we can crack see if we can do this um but swinging it back into podcast again um so why did you start the john i know you mentioned about networking and talking to creatives for the john crinnan podcast but why did you choose podcasting and how have you found managing and launching a podcast why why has that been beneficial for yourself i wanted to it's something i've been considering for a while i wanted to give it a try i'm a big fan of podcasts i generally am listening to a podcast whenever i'm walking somewhere or you know doing the dishes doing chores around the house Podcasts are like my go-to entertainment for that. So I listen to quite a lot. And when you start, it's, I guess it's similar to writing. You know, you read, uh, you read other people's work, their stories, their books, and you start to think if you're wired like us, oh, I wonder how I, how, you know, I've got ideas for stories. I wonder what it would look like if I tried to write my own. And with the podcast, it was kind of the same thing, but I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. Yeah, I wouldn't know what my podcast would sound like. So it coincided uh, with me meeting creatives when I, you know, when I, that I spoke about earlier, when coming down to London, meeting people, making stuff. I would always come away from those conversations really pumped up to work on my own stuff. And I had just recently um, started having sort of semi-frequent call. Uh, with my very first guest. My very first guest is a guy called Timo Henderson on my podcast. He's a composer, makes incredible music, sound designer, and he's a very good and old friend of mine. We go way back. We had started having, we'd lost touch for a while just because we live in different parts of the country. We'd we kept in touch with the odd text message, but we started phoning each other and we'd made a point of getting on the phone, talking for an hour or so, talking about just life, what we're getting up to, various things. And I think it was on one of those calls that I realized oh, kind of what we're doing is a lot like the conversational podcast that I listen to. Uh, and just getting on, getting two people together and just having a chat about maybe about a subject or maybe about anything, just anything that came up. So I think I started talking to him about that. He's obviously, as I said, he's a sound designer and an audio engineer as well. So he was looking for a more regular project to work on. He offered to help me with all the technical aspects of the podcast. He would tidy up, rub some magic on it, make it sound better. And um, then also not to jump back and talk about Luke again, but I had another, co I had a conversation <laughs> with Luke and he gave me a, a drinking game on this episode. <laughs> it is, it is. I have a Hi Luke. Name Luke Condor. Uh, <laughs> he, um, he has this opinion that everyone should start a podcast. He talks about it sometimes. Um, and I was talking to him. I think he just, I think we just spoke on Skype one time. He just wanted to catch up. We'd, we had been, uh, I'd been writing for the other stories at that point for a while. 
we'd obviously been talking on Facebook and things like that, but we had never spoken. We'd never been in the same room together. We'd never had a Skype call. So we just jumped on a call and he, it was, that was just a few weeks after speaking to my friend Timo when he suggested that I start a podcast and very quickly I thought, okay, let's just do it. Uh, I wanted to have the first few guests. I mean, I, I will only on going on to episode five now, but still a very new podcast as well. Um, but I made, I made sure that Timo was my, my first guest, my other, uh, good friend, Hannah, Hannah Mariska, who's a writer. She was my second guest. And then Luke was my third. I wanted the, the kind of three central people who are very special to me and, and my kind of creative, uh, journey to be those initial three people that I spoke to. Um, and we just, and I just did it and it was, uh, it was a fantastic experience. I learned so much from those first three, uh, podcast episodes because I'd never recorded my voice at length before and listened to myself back and had to edit it. I, I picked up on really how bad a communicator I can be. <laughs> I didn't, it's I, enlightening. I, yeah. Um, I'm still, I'm, I'm, I'm a lot better than I was. Uh, and I'm still getting better all the time, but I think I just learned that I needed to slow down a little bit. Ideas pop into my head and then I'll go off on tangents and I won't finish, I, I won't finish sentences. I had a lot of filler words and noises that I would make when I was trying <laughs> to fill gaps. That alone was a great, a great thing to learn about myself because it's, you know, communication is quite important. Mm. Um, and it's just allowed me to, uh, it's given me this platform where I can meet and have an excuse to meet all these interesting people and talk to them and you always learn something from everyone i think um i, I guess i'll be putting that to the test on this episode i was like <laughs> when you asked me when you sent me the message and asked me on to uh, your podcast because obviously the to anyone listening your line of guests up to me is quite, is quite intimidating. You've got had some pretty impressive creators. And then there's little old me with my few short stories, uh, no novels published yet. But I'm hoping that maybe if, if what I've just said is true, then maybe we can learn from everyone. I'm not sure. I, I, think, I think there's plenty to learn from. I mean, and the whole point of the, the Great Writer Share podcast to start with anyway, was to take people from all levels of the biz. I mean, it, it says so in the intro and it's, I think um, one of the good things about having yourself on is like I say, you're kind of an avatar for those people that might be a bit earlier on in their journey and just a good example of someone who has taken the plunge, got involved in, uh, in the short story course, decided, yeah, this is the direction I'm going to go and kind of built on it since. And I mean, that was uh, September, October last year, and we're approaching that sort of one year anniversary. And yeah, one year. You've got, I think, about six stories on the other stories. And for um, reference for people, we put out, well, we put out a story every week, but we have four weeks per theme. So you've been in six different themes so far. Um, you're obviously doing the podcast. You're obviously trying to uh, <laughs> keep the fingers tapping on the keyboard and making stuff happen. So I think it's kind of a testament to what can happen in quite a short space of time if you're willing to, to put in the work and, and make it happen. So um, yeah. yeah, there's a lot to take away from this. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, I think it's important just to, to, to really just go for it. And I do consider myself, even though I said earlier when I went way back and talked about that first novel I was writing and however many, I don't know, 10 years, 10 plus years ago, but I, I really consider myself a brand new writer. I really consider that first that first publication to be my day one. And I'm, I'm learning every day 
uh, I don't know what I have to teach, but hopefully there's something. Uh, yeah, I'm just trying to soak up as much as much knowledge and keep on, yeah, keep on putting words down. That's the most important thing for me right now. And my strategy is just daily writing and making sure I don't let that ha- that daily writing habit slip again. Mm. Yeah, and no, I think it's definitely a good mentality to have. Even even sort of years down the line, I'm I'm the same in that I I still have to fight to keep my habits, and I still am hungry to learn, and I think. That, that that carries people far so um it seems like that's quite a nice place to to round off the bulk of, of the main bit of the interview i think that was a nice little unintentional loop circle back to the beginning um <laughs> but what we'll do now is that we have a question from one of our patrons over at patreon.com forward slash great writers share um so we'll we can both take this and just take it in whichever direction um it's just a, a smaller question but this is from john cronshaw who says have you found a way to make consistent money from short fiction or are you aware of any ways? Well, John, thank you for your question. My answer is not, not consistent uh, money. No, um, I am really not pursuing uh, financial reward at the moment with my writing. I really just, like I say, it goes back to that last answer. I'm, I'm a brand new writer. Essentially. I it's, Okay, ignoring the the ten years that I spent on that on that big novel, I started a year ago, so I don't expect to be making any serious uh, money with writing. Um, maybe maybe never. I, I, it's just something I'm driven to do. But I I listen to some podcast, like I listen to the Career Author podcast. That's one of the ones that I, that I listen to. Not to keep telling people about other podcasts everyone should no, know share 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 great writers share john <laughs> <laughs> um i try and keep my hand in on all the advice uh that's out there because there's so much great advice on how to be a career author and how to make money with it but it's it's secondary for me the thing that i'm focusing on is becoming a better writer and if i have to do that for five more years before i make a decent like a, make a big sale or or, or start getting a consistent uh, readers, that's that's fine by me. It it really doesn't matter. But I've been lucky enough to have, like you say, a couple of stories published. So there's, I have had some income through my fiction, and it's exciting to get that first that first uh, little bit of cash for for something that you've made from the blank page and you've written. It's a wonderful feeling. Um, but no, I'm I don't know the answer to that. But Dan, mm. you, you can probably help with that question. Yeah, I mean, I'm in the same sort of boat as you. I mean, I've been writing for. I want to say four years now. Um, yeah, just over four years. And it's only really been the sort of last year or so that I've actually seen any kind of income from anything that um, I've been doing with my writing. And short stories are always trickier anyway because they're a lot of people can, a lot of magazines, a lot of online places take short stories for very, very little reward and, and they don't seem to sell for the big bucks unless you get into the huge publications. Um I mean, personally, I, I can't really answer this too well. The the only thing I can say is I have listened to a few podcasts. I think there was an episode of um, the self-publishing podcast a few years back, and I think maybe once on the Creative Pen podcast where they had someone who was making a good living from the uh, from writing short stories. So uh, I'd say check that out. If I can find out which episode it is, I'll throw it down in the show notes um, and let someone who's doing that sort of speak better than I can because, yeah, I'm, I'm similar to you. And I think... Um, one thing that you said there as well, John, that I just want to highlight is if, if money is secondary to you and if uh, the passion is the writing, then that's what's going to keep you going in this for the long haul anyway. And I'm, and I'm the same. I've, 
even if I wasn't making money and I still had the day job, which I, I did until not long ago, I was still putting in the hours because I just love the process. Yeah, seeing something emerge from, it's the same no matter what it is that you're doing, if you're writing or if you're creating, and it's why I love speaking to creators, just seeing something emerge from nothing, you know, bringing something into the world is a difficult, painful process, but it's so worth it. Mm. And the only thing I can compare it to is uh, my my son being born. Um, oh, exactly, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I didn't have to experience that pain though. <laughs> oh, uh, okay. So on that note, let's go into the quick fire round. Uh, oh, I'm excited about this. Yes, 10 questions for you. Um, just answer them as quickly as you can. If you can't think of an answer straight away, then you can just say pass and then we can come back to it or we can let that one slide. But Oh, you can pass? Okay, all right. Okay. Might yeah, I, there will be forfeit points if you do. I actually cut out half the interview if you pass. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't make any sense whatsoever. I'm not sure I made sense anyway, but you know, yeah, definitely just cut out the old random word. Yeah, do it. <laughs> just every like five minutes, just chop off like 30 <laughs> seconds. That'd be wonderful. And then stick it on the Patreon feed for exclusivity. No, don't. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Short stories or novels? Short stories now. Uh, what's your favorite animal? Oh. I'm going to say an elephant. That was what popped into my head. What brand do you like the least? Oh, what brand do I like the least? Oh, I'm going to have to pass. I don't know. <laughs> That's a tricky one. Would you rather never be able to read again or never be able to watch TV again? Never be able to watch TV again. What's your favorite Netflix show? Sense8. What's the favorite story you've ever written? Uh, one of mine? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah, obviously, if I've ever written it. Um, it's, it would be the one that I've just written, uh, which has, isn't out anywhere, and I can't tell anyone about it, but it's always the last <laughs> one for the one that I'm writing currently. Nice. Uh, Sorry, what's your... That's fine. What's your meal of choice as a pub? Uh, fish and chips, probably, or if it's like... A, um, a good pub. If they've got a steak, I'll probably have a steak. Oh, nice. Uh, what quirky habit do you have that people might think is weird? Uh, I have an ice-cold shower every day. Uh, England or Scotland? Scotland, come on. <laughs> if, <laughs> if you could meet one creative in person, who would it be? Mike Patton, a frontman of Faith No More. Nice. Fantastic. That's all 10 questions. Oh, yeah, good. I passed on the brand one. Yeah, I don't know what I would say, uh, what my least favorite brand is. I don't really think about least favorite things. So that's, mm. or, or like most hated or whatever. No, I think that's a good way to go. Favorite brand. Yeah, I'll pass. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think what, <laughs> this might be a totally inappropriate answer. I think whatever brand of uh, company invented the mint shower gel, because that's I knew you were going to say that before you said it. <laughs> so weird. I, I, we are on some weird wavelength now yeah. because I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I was tricked into thinking That's... that I'd be minty fresh and instead I just stung for about half an hour <laughs> uh, in places you shouldn't. But on that note, or well, wait for as far away from that note as possible. Uh, so where can our listeners find out more about yourself and everything you're working on? Uh, I have a website, johncrinnan.com. Uh, which is G-O-H-N-C-R-I-N-E-N. And I, it's, there's, it's a bit bare right, uh, right now, but uh, that's where everything will be. And I'm on Insta and Twitter at John Crinnan. 
and we didn't get to talk about uh, my new podcast, but it's oh, on the website. So jump over there and you'll get a little sneak peek of the, of the new one. Yes. When's that coming? Uh, it's with, uh, it's with me. It's in my, the ball's in my court right now. We're hoping to launch it this month. Uh, but it's a, it's a new podcast that I'm, uh, launching with my good friend Zoe. Uh, she goes online, uh, under the, she's more commonly known as Zoba with a shotgun online. We talk about uh, some stuff on the new podcast. Um, but she recently just broke her ankle. So it's kind of delayed some of our recording, uh, and interrupted the flow a little bit. So it'll be, ne- it'll be either very late in August, which we're already getting up there <laughs> 2019 or next or September next month. And what's a quick, how would you sum it up in, in five, 10 seconds? Uh, it's a drunk cast. We get, we oh, get amazing. very drunk on red wine because, uh, myself and Zoe are both big red wine fans. Uh, so we crack open a bottle of red wine at the start of the podcast and we talk about a film of some description and it, it, it often descends into complete chaos, uh, which is entirely the point of the podcast. That sounds amazing. What's the podcast going to be called? It's called A Nice Chianti from the line from uh, Silence of the Lambs because it's a, that's a wine, obviously, and we, we cracked open a bottle. That's going to be the first episode, us talking about The Silence of the Lambs, drinking a bottle of Nice Chianti. Perfect. Well, thank you very much for your time, John. I do appreciate having you on the podcast. Thank you. And uh, thank you, listeners. Oh, go on. Oh, it just, it's been great. <laughs> thank you. You've been, this is my very first uh, time as the interviewee and not the interviewer. So you've been very, uh, you've been very gentle and it's been, it's been lovely. It's been <laughs> We've popped your cherry. We said we'd get it into the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you everyone for listening and we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Great Writer Share podcast. Next week, we'll be joined by keen collaborator and multi-universe media giant, Jay Thorne, discussing all things fiction, non-fiction, and podcasting, diversifying income streams, and how to make a successful career in 2019 and 2020. This is definitely one not to miss. And don't forget, you can get early access to every episode of the Great Writer Share podcast, access to our private Slack group, and the chance to ask upcoming guests any of your questions just by becoming a patron of the show. All you need to do is visit www.patreon.com forward slash greatwritersshare and support the show for as little as $1 a month. One more time, that's www.patreon.com forward slash greatwritersshare. Until next time.